If you had one wish that could improve the way your mother's or that could improve the way your father's work affects your life, what would that wish be? If my kids could have one wish, it would probably be that they could have more time with me. My kid would love me to pick him up at school at 2.40 every single day. And if I didn't have a job, that's what I would do. I think she would be thrilled if we were around more often. Uh, I think my son would just say he wished that I would work fewer hours. Hi, I'm Julie Morgenstern, and welcome to Time to Parent, the podcast that will give you more time, less guilt, and deeper joy. Today you'll meet Elizabeth, a mom who found it hard to balance her time between work and family. If you haven't heard the last episode, that's okay. I laid out the basic job description for parenting. It includes all the responsibilities you have to balance your time between to both raise a human and be a human. Now for all my parents out there, we're going to dive into raising a human first. There's an acronym for that you may remember, PART, P-A-R-T. The first letter there stands for provide. So that's where Elizabeth's story comes into play. Provide is something we have to do for our kids, and provide requires usually working and managing money in order to pay for all the things it takes to raise a kid. Roof over their head, food in their bellies, clothes on their back. Because of this, provide can also be the most time-consuming of the four components of parenting and loaded with guilt. So let's meet Elizabeth. My name is Elizabeth Mosher, and I am a mother of a 13-year-old, a wife of my husband, and um, I'm currently running the patient marketing team for a pharmaceutical medical device company. We're talking to Elizabeth because she's the perfect example of someone who's very dedicated to her work, but whose work tends to spill over into the rest of her life. It's hard to contain work for Elizabeth, and I'm sure a lot of parents out there feel the same way. So how did I meet Elizabeth? Well, her company had brought me in to help her team boost their productivity at work. Elizabeth was the team manager, and I worked particularly closely with her. One of the main things that had come up in my coaching with Elizabeth was how she always felt guilty when she was at work She felt guilty that some of her time and mind went to family matters. And when she was at home at night, a lot of her brain space was occupied with still thinking about work or even having to get back on the computer to complete work. Her work was very demanding, and she took a lot of pride in doing a great job. I think there was a a lot of challenges within our organization in terms of financial pressure. We had been very successful, but um, as always in large companies, you have to continue to perform at a certain level. And so there was a lot of pressure on our team, not only my team, but the larger marketing organization. This company culture of high-intensity work may sound very familiar to a lot of people. It was high stress and demanded a lot of Elizabeth's time and brain space, even when she wasn't at work. She used this phrasing a lot in our conversation. You just never, you never turn it off. And what happens when you work and work and work 
and then think about work when you're not working is you run out of hours and energy to spend on anything else. What I saw with Elizabeth was a very common blending and imbalance in the amount of time she was spending on providing. Too much of her time was spent either at work or doing work or thinking about work, so much so that her family time and time for herself felt crunched, and that added even more stress. We allowed things to creep into that home time, and I know everybody thinks you can you can do all things. I know as a working mom, a working woman, I feel like, oh, I'm the best multitasker. I know I can do it. Mm-hmm. But if you're constantly juggling multiple things, you're not 100% present in any situation. And that's essential here. Elizabeth's issue wasn't just that she was working so much. It was that she didn't have edges between her work life and her family life. She carried thoughts about work over the threshold when she came home at night, and it made it very hard for her to feel present with her daughter. She was just so consumed by guilt, it was hard for her to truly enjoy her work or truly enjoy her time at night and on the weekends with her daughter. And that's a problem. But don't take my word for it. Just ask Ellen Galinsky. My name is Ellen Galinsky, and I am the co-founder and president of the Families and Work Institute. The Families and Work Institute was founded in 1989 and is dedicated to providing research on the way families and work interact and intersect. And Ellen is a personal hero of mine. I think her work addresses the key issues that are on parents' minds in their quest to do right by their kids and right by their families. In 1999, she published one of her most groundbreaking studies, Ask the Children. In all of my research, I've followed questions. And the question that is always asked is, does having an employed mother, let's forget about fathers, that's supposed to be good for kids, but does having an employed mother um, in any way harm children? I was asked that by the media several times a week for years, years and years and years. And in all of the research on work and family life, no one had ever asked the children. And I had found that adults think that they know what kids think, but when you actually ask kids, it's like looking through a picture window and seeing a completely different view. So I wanted to take the questions that we all have and that I had been answering in research with adults for years and actually go out and ask young people. So Ellen conducted the study, and her most fundamental question, the one that really gave the most enlightening results, was this one, what she called the one-wish question. If you had one wish that could improve the way your mothers or your fathers separately, yes, separately, work affects your life, what would that wish be? And this is where we get back to Elizabeth, the executive who was struggling to balance her work and life. When parents were asked what they thought their kids would answer, the large majority guessed that their kids would wish that their parents worked less. And I've seen this same pattern over and over in my work with parents. But that wasn't what kids wished for. If the kids had one wish, they wished um, that their parents would be less tired and less stressed. 
This was huge back in the late 90s when the study was done, and it remains huge and insightful for parents today. Kids didn't say they wished their parents worked less. They instead wanted their parents to not be so stressed out by their work. The, the impact of working depends, and it depends on whether or not you believe you should work. That makes a difference. If you think you're absolutely doing wrong by your kids, that makes a difference. Um, what your job is like, if your job is very stressful, that can come home in worry and stress. And, um, and the quality of, of the interactions that you have with your kids when you're with them. So it's not whether we work, it's how we feel about our work that impacts kids. And our guilt causes us to send mixed messages to our kids. Even if we love our job, we say, I hate that I have to work, I hate that I have to leave you, I wish I didn't have to work, but I have to do it so that I can provide for you. And those mixed messages are what cause distress and worry in kids. One of the things that we do when we've had a difficult day is we'll come home and we'll be blip, 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 and knocking the pots and pans and around or stomping. Or, and the kids could say they could tell what kind of day their parent had from the way the doorknob turned from the footsteps into the house. We will then maybe say, ah, such and such is such a jerk or whatever, you know, complain about the bad day. But we forget to tell them the rest of the story. So one of the lessons for me was remember to tell your children the rest of the story. And what we find, we study spillover in adults in the research that we've done over the years. And what we found is that work can really enhance your family life. So if you've had a great experience at work, come home and share it. That kids really benefit from, I met this really interesting person, and he or she does this and that kind of work. And, you know, they may say next, pass the peas or, you know. <laughs> right. But often, again, it's the way they learn about the world and how the world world works, and we are bringing that world to our children by the stories we tell about work. Even more telling was the next part of the Ask the Children study. Ellen asked kids to grade their parents on 12 aspects of being a nurturing parent. Things like, do you feel your parent knows and understands you? Do you feel supported by your parent? Do you feel like your parent hears and respects you? And there was no difference between the children whose mothers were employed and the children whose mothers were at home with them right. uh, full time uh, in how they in how they graded their mothers on this, um, which was a total shocker to parents yeah. because they just thought that their kids would feel that they weren't as good a parent if they weren't there full time. Imagine that there was no difference between the working and non-working parents' grades when it came to being assessed as being a nurturing parent. So it doesn't matter whether you work or whether you are a stay-at-home parent. It's not the time, it's the quality of nurturance and connection that every parent can achieve whether they work or not. So with that in the back of our heads, we go back to Elizabeth right after the break. Before the break, we heard from a stressed-out working mom named Elizabeth, and we heard from Ellen Galinsky, an expert on working parents. Ellen left us with the idea that kids aren't necessarily affected by their parents working outside the home, but they are affected by how you view your work and the stress that work can cause you. 
Elizabeth had that high-powered full-time job from the time her daughter was three until she was 10. And Elizabeth asked her daughter recently how she viewed her in the years where she was working full-time. And this is what her daughter said. She's always said, Mom, you were great. You were always there. Yeah, I liked it once you got, once you were able to kind of take a step back and, and be at my classroom a lot more. I really appreciated, but I never felt like you weren't there. So, you know, hearing that from, a, from your daughter, your child, that helps a lot. Her daughter never felt like Elizabeth wasn't there. Elizabeth was actually doing much better in this area than she realized. But this was a perspective she couldn't access when she was feeling so guilty and stressed about working. She didn't have the distance in order to see how her child was really feeling. What I also think is important to note is that her employer felt the same way about Elizabeth's work quality. Elizabeth always felt a little guilty that family life was keeping her from doing everything she could for her job. But she says that the people at her job gave her stellar feedback and told her that her work was great, which then made her realize this important fact. The worry about not being as productive or as valuable in both situations, I think, is a lot more self and, you know, uh, perspective on yourself and just thinking... I should be doing more, whereas the people around you think you're doing a great job. So the advice I gave Elizabeth really surrounded how to contain her work, both practically to get her work done during the workday, and also to contain the mental space that it was taking up. We needed to create edges in her workday so she could tie her workday in a bow go home, and fully transition to be present in her family time. This edge between work and family is a big one because without edges, you can't be present for anything. Can you think of any of the concrete strategies that we talked about either in the large group work we did or in the one-on-one coaching that I asked you to try to sort of start putting up those edges? The one that, it's so simple, is stop checking email Mm -hmm. and stop letting the crap get in in your head Mm -hmm. and being able to take that time and say, nope, I'm not going to do this. Set aside X number of minutes, you know, 30 minutes and go through them and figure out what needs to be addressed, what I can, you know, hand off to somebody, where can I do it? The other thing that we tried to build and I love is a day a week where there are no meetings Mm -hmm. that, you know, we're trying to really have time to think and get the, the work done versus sitting in meetings where honestly, a lot of work doesn't get done. Mm -hmm. So those were a couple that were just so freeing. (laughs) And those techniques are two in particular that create the time to think and work in a deep way during the workday, which is vital to feeling productive and getting things done. So many of us, especially those in stressful jobs, don't have the time to think or work during work. We're too busy reacting. 
So Elizabeth and her team made these two strategies a priority. And of course, there were obstacles. For Elizabeth's office, she said the no meeting day was challenging because even though her team was operating on that schedule, the greater office was not. So they made concessions. But they didn't abandon the whole idea because occasionally they'd need to have a meeting on no meeting Fridays. And that's what I want to stress here. These tactics aren't all or nothing. It's about not allowing those exceptions to make the whole process fall apart. Elizabeth tried to control what she could, and she yielded where she couldn't. Elizabeth has since left that job, was a consultant for a little while, and is now working another full-time job. Ten years after we met, she's still using the tips and tactics I gave her back then. You know, as I've continued to progress and just, you know, being an, an older person is the idea of not only is it the time to regroup, but if you walk away and you're able to play with a child or play tennis or go out to dinner, that's when your creativity comes up. It's when you're totally removed from it, a, an idea bubbles up. So this is what I want to leave you with. Remember, it's not whether we work. It's how we feel about our work that has an impact on kids. So if you love your work, embrace that and feel free to share that with your kids. And if you don't love your work or you have a bad day, do your best to put edges up and transition before you cross a threshold into home so you're not carrying over all that stress into your time with your kids. In either case, develop techniques to be productive and focused at work and present and focused at home. And that creates the balance between work and family life. The Time to Parent podcast is produced by Becky Celestina with editing help from Alyssa Martino, Alexander Abnos, and Katie Ferguson. Thanks also to Tatiana McPartland. My new book, also titled Time to Parent, is out now. Buy it wherever you get books or at the link in our show notes. To learn more about ways to organize your life and your time, come visit my website, juliemorgenstern.com, and subscribe to the Time to Parent podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. See you next week.